0: I want to talk about forbidden angel worship. Why in the world am I touching on such a subject of forbidden angel worship? Because I think that anyone that is tapping into the supernatural, as most churches of this nature are doing, Looking forward, we are all looking for the supernatural. We're looking for something more. Because life's journey demands more today, I believe, than it did when my parents and grandparents were Christians. I believe that you, your children, your grandchildren, if things continue, your grandchildren are going to be facing things that's unbelievable. They have not even been invented yet through modern technology. Ways and means to communicate. Things that's going to be communicated to you that you did not even ask for. It's automatically going to be filtered into your mind. And so we need supernatural intervention in our walk with God today and it's available, but it has limits, there has to be order, and there must be balanced. We must be balanced in our walk with God. We must have divine order in our church. That's why we have teaching. And a lot of what I'm going to talk about this morning is found in a little book called Colossians. And I'd like to have you turn with me, first of all, though, to Acts chapter 4. How many know that one of the greatest unrecognized theologians in the book of Acts was a deacon? A deacon by the name of Stephan. We, sim- we simply do not pay attention enough to the message that Stephen brought. It's actually the first actual sermon in the book of Acts, given not by an apostle, but by a deacon. So how many deacons we got in this church here this morning? Any deacons here? One deacon or two? Should be more deacons than that in this church. I'm, I'm sure there are. But deacons sometimes are the most unrecognized minister in the church because they they take care of the physical property of the church. But I want to talk just a moment and give credit to a man that warns something that's very, very important. If you take a look in Acts chapter 7, verse 42, we won't go into all of his sermon, but but in verse 42, uh, he has this to say. Then God turned and gave them up. Now, this is a point in the history of the nation of Israel, when God actually gave them up and gave them up to worship the host of heaven. Now, we don't have to go, time to go into prove everything we say this morning, but one of the Terms that is used to describe the multiplicity, unlimited number of, myriads of angels is called the host. And God, many places in the Old Testament, is called the Lord of hosts. And that host is an unlimited. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us there is there are angels in the heavens that are unlimited. Revelation chapter 5, when it talks about all the angels fell down and worshiped him, a secular word that's used is the word myriads. Now, can anybody here tell me what a myriad is? A, a my, how many is a myriad? Is it trillions, billions? What is it? It's, it's, it's unnumbered, and there are myriads in the plural. Of angelic beings. So a host is a host group of all types of angelic beings that God Himself has available to do His will. That's one thing Psalm 103 tells us that the host or the angels do the will of God. Godly angels do the will of God. They do the work of God. They they are messengers sent to do the will of God. And so the Bible tells us here, and Stephan is the only one in the book of Acts that tells us that, that God turned them over to worship the host of heaven as it's written in the book of prophets, did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during forty years in the wilderness, the house of Israel. You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch. Moloch was one of the gods, and the star of your god Rephon, image which you made to worship. And because of this, I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Now the host of heaven. How many understand that the host of heaven is angelic beings? Do I have to, I, I we can go into a lot of scripture, but you need to be students of the Bible. I had to dig out some of these things myself. So you need to be students of the Bible. Tell me your students of the Bible. How many read the Bible? Every day? Twice a day? Once a month? You use a vacuum cleaner to clean the dust off your Bible? I'm not here to criticize anybody. It's, it's easy to miss it. But we need to be like the Bereans who search the scriptures daily to see if what the preachers were preaching were true. Sad to say, I'm in the classification of people called preachers. And preachers have been known to lie. There are false prophets today, just like there were in the days of Jesus, in the days of the Old Testament, when, when Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and all these other prophets, there were false prophets. Some kings, like Ahab, had a minimum of 800 false prophets. And he had another 850 female false prophets. One king. And, and, and sometimes other prophets came along, uh, other people came along and said, now wait a minute, I want to hear something from somebody besides a false prophet. How many know that story in 1 Kings chapter 22? But anyway, the, pro- the point is that we need to be careful and we need to search out, you need to search out what I'm, gonna, what I'm starting to preach. I told you it'd take two o'clock for me to get this out, so <laughs> get ready for it. Okay, let's turn to uh, to. Um, by the way, in Second Kings twenty one three through twelve, the Bible tells us the story of Manasseh, the absolute worst king that ever ruled in Israel. And the Bible tells us that he offered worship; he introduced worship to the host of heaven, along with All the other things, offering children as human sacrifices. Because all of these beings demand sacrifice. Every one of them, every idol, every idol in the Old Testament, there was a demonic entity behind it, and those demonic entities demanded either human sacrifice or some form of sacrifice. So now let's turn to Colossians. Colossians. Turn to somebody and say, this is going to be really good stuff. <laughs> okay, Colossians chapter 2. By the way, to give a little of history of the background of Colossians, in the back of my Bible, there is an outline of the three Journeys of the Apostle Paul. Anybody have that in your back your Bible, outlines the places he went during his three missionary journeys. Well, you will not find the city of Colossae mentioned as one of those places the Apostle Paul visited. Because evidently Paul had never been to Colossae. But yet he writes a letter to Colossae. Now, Colossae was just a one-horse town, Something like Maiden Rock, where I was at yesterday. One gas station there. I don't think there's even a grocery store there anymore, is there? Anyway, one horse town. And it's about 100 miles east of the city of Ephesus. That's where Philemon... Remember the story of Philemon in the Bible? That's where Philemon and his wife Appiah and Archippus, his son... Lived and they had a church in their home, but they lived in the city of Colossae. But Paul possibly had never visited Colossae. A young man by the name of Aphia, who was a native of Colossae, who everything that the Bible says that they they knew in Colossae, if you take a look at the first five or six verses, you'll find that they were taught to them by Aphia a minister of the gospel. So somehow, Paul got in connection with this church, and they recognized his apostolic authority, and so he writes this letter to the church at Colossae, even though perhaps he had never actually visited that church. But Colossae, Ephesus... And all those cities in that area where Paul visited, and other places also, including Corinth, and Athens, and all these places that Paul had been, they were into all kinds of mystic religions. And so Paul's concern, he begins to hear some stories coming from, uh, from Colossae, about some things that's going on that's quite questionable, and that's why he writes this church to to strengthen their faith, to encourage them never to abandon the preeminence of Jesus Christ. And in in, in the first chapter, it it builds up the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it, and it's necessary because some of them were tempted. Not necessarily to go back to, but to dabble. How many knows what it means to dabble? That's a that's southeastern Iowa language. You dabble in something that you have no business dabbling in. Otherwise, you begin to investigate things because everything that is spiritual is not of God. A lot of people think, oh, everything that's spiritual the devil wants to make explain everything that's spiritual is God. No. God and the devil are not in any kind of league together. They're not in any kind of fellowship. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that I would not have you to have fellowship with demons. And a lot of people actually think when they're when they're practicing seances and going to going through necromancy and uh, Communicates to the dead that they're actually talking to real people. They think that it is grandma I'm talking to, or grandpa, or my little four-year-old girl that passed away. And when they're actually communicating with demons. And so Paul is writing what he writes here in chapter 2 and verse... Uh, Chapter 2, yes. And uh, I want to begin in verse... Sorry, I missed my... I'm in Ephesians, no wonder. Okay, Colossians. Colossians... chapter 2 and verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of, of the Godhead bodily. Now, I want to say something. A lot of people have the idea that angels are a part or a member of the Godhead. I don't know whether you've ever heard that or not. But, you see, the Bible only gives the literal name of just a small portion, even the type, like seraph, that's one type, of of an angel. We have, like, Gabriel and Michael, archangels. Then we have what we call common angels, because the Bible does not give classifications like that. But a lot of people can tell you, they give them the name Pluto, Juniper, Juniper, and, and, and all kinds of names. But the Bible doesn't give them those kind of names. So, we need to understand, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You are complete in him without angels. How many believe you're complete in him? Now, I believe in angels. I've seen angels. I've had angels help me. But we're going to find out there are limitations to our relationship with angels. I'd rather see Jesus once than to see 10,000 angels. If angels are taking the place of Jesus in any way in our life, we're going down a road to destruction. Angels will not, cannot, must not take place of Jesus in our life. Some people are very, very sensitive to be able to see angelic activity and angels themselves. I know some people like that, which is true. Others are not so sensitive about it. Most of us would not recognize an angel if we saw one, because they don't appear in the form that we've seen paintings of angels. All these huge wings and, and so forth, you know. And of course now we got access to alien beings. We get the we, we get Sasquatch, Bigfoot. Although they all the movies and all the TV programs, they're still looking for Sasquatch someplace. They're still looking for Bigfoot. They've never found him. They've got authentic. Photos that you can hardly tell what it is, you know. But we must not get over indulged in angelic beings. Okay, let's let's go on. But it says do not let anyone cheat you through. Philosophy, empty deceit, according to the tradition of man, according to the basic principles, the word, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body. You are complete in him, who is the head and the principality and power. In him you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now let's go down to verse 18. Once again, Paul says this, let no one cheat you of your reward by you taking in delight. Now listen, there's a certain delight. I have people contact me. Some of them, I don't know how they get my name. Somebody says, oh, I received a prophecy from Paul Tucker. You need to get a hold of him. My wife says, who in the world are you texting now? Some, some woman that I don't, she never, never heard of. And I get, I, get, I get texts from this one person, and she keeps seeing a brother and a father that she's never met. I mean, they, they, at nighttime, they pull up in a car, and they sit under, the, uh, under this outside light. And she looks out, and here is a brother that she's never seen. She knows she has a brother someplace. So she texts me and says, Paul, do you think that's my brother? I'm serious. She's sincere. I said, I don't know if it's your brother. I don't think it's your brother. I think it should be something else. You need to read Colossians chapter 2, which it says here, don't let anybody cheat you in your reward taking delight in false humility and worshiping of angels. Now, it's possible For us to get so caught up in the supernatural, into mysticism, into supernatural activity, into understanding the power of angels. I don't deny the power of angels. Do you know that one angel, one angel, Peter tells us that angels are greater in power than we are individually. But we do have access to a power that's greater than the power of angels. When the power of the Holy Spirit was released on the day of Pentecost, all power, Jesus said, What? What did he say? All power belongs to me. We have access to all power. But one angel defeated and killed 186,000 Assyrian soldiers. One night, one angel. How about the angel that, the death angel that came over Egypt at the Passover and killed every single firstborn child? Think of it. They do have power. I want to make some statements. Man or angels, I said man or angels, must never be worshipped or accept worship. Did you hear me? Mankind must never accept worship, although all the pharaohs believed they were gods. And do you know when the, the pharaohs died... Their wives, concubines, servants, all their cattle, their famous horse that pulled their chariot, everything was buried alive with them. Think of it. They worshiped the Pharaohs. Man is never to be worshiped. Romans, the first chapter. It says, when man refuses to worship God, they worship the creature more than the creator. It's only a short step, regardless of what you think, up or down, to become a worshiper, to disregard God, forget about God, and begin to worship people, individuals, systems, political structures, kingdoms, or to worship angels. Worshipping angels will cheat anybody. There's there's a fine line between recognizing who angels are, what their purpose is, and becoming a worshiper of them. If we are so engrossed in seeing a miracle, or seeing an angel... Or a manifestation, seeing balls of fire—all these things can happen, but they're never to become objects of our attention, of our surface service. Because whoever you worship is who you're going to serve. That's what Jesus said. When the, when the devil tried to get Jesus just to fall down once and worship him, he said, "No, the thou shalt not worship." Anything except the Lord your God and Him you shall serve. So anything you worship becomes the one you serve. Man shall not worship the host. Remember the first time in the New Testament it talks about hosts. That's actually the, the only time in Luke's Gospel when the when shepherds. Shepherds were out watching their flocks at night. What happened? A host, a host, a heavenly host appeared and they began to sing and worship God. Now, the shepherds didn't say, fall down and worship the heavenly host. They said, no, we got to go find this Jesus. They could have said, oh, let's form a new religion here. It's like Peter up on the Mount when Jesus was transfigured. He said, Hey, let's build three tabernacles here. What's a tabernacle for? It's a place of worship. Even Peter got caught up with the emotion of seeing Jesus in a glorified state. And he said, Wow, here's Elijah. I've been wanting to meet him all my life. Here he is. Here's Moses that God buried. Nobody knows where God buried him. You know why? Because they would have mummified him and he'd become a point of worship. The devil would fought over the body of Moses. Why did he? He wanted it. Can you imagine what the body parts of Moses would be worth in the marketplace? How about the heart of Moses? How about the finger of Moses? How about the hand that held the rod of God of Moses? Did you realize that in many places in the world, when I was in Liberia, the afterbirth of a woman is worth $20,000. In the marketplace, they use it to practice sorcery with. I won't talk about the body parts that are really valuable. They become objects of worship. So man must not worship the host. The Hebrew word is tesaba, which means just multitudes, multitudes. Deuteronomy 4, 15 through 19, 2 Kings 17, 16. There's a whole lot of scriptures in, in, in the Old Testament that talk about do not worship the hosts of heaven. It's a part of the whole idolatrous system. God is the Lord of hosts. But his host of angels must never have been worshipped. Isaiah 6 and verse 5, if you want to just jot, jot down that word. So, here's some more statements I want to say to you. This I say, I'm taking it out of Colossians, lest anyone deceive you with persuasive words. Colossians 2, 7. Now, Blair has been with me on a couple occasions. On one occasion, he was with me when we had an angelic visitation. Neither Blair I fall down at the feet of this angel. I don't even totally understand the reason for this angel appearing. Totally. I've had angels assist me up in up in the wilderness of Canada. I had two young young men whom I'd never met before in my life on two different occasions. When I had surgery and I went to France, the doctor said, you cannot lift over eight pounds. I had heavy suitcases. And so we'd arranged for people to meet me at the train, but the train was late and came into a different terminal. And they weren't there. And I, the young man, came up and said, Paul, I'm going to help you with your suitcase. He grabbed my suitcases, and he led me out. The train had stopped early for some reason. He said, I've got to wait here. Another train's coming across the tracks. So we went underneath the tracks. He carried my bait, set them down, and just sat next to me and kind of looked at me. I, I was mesmerized. I couldn't even talk to him. Another train... They made an announcement in language I couldn't understand. He said, "I'm going to take you to your place." She said, "You're on this car over here." Takes me to the car. He disappears. Totally disappears. Finally, come into the terminal. I'm about ready to grab my. He shows up. Takes my bags off the train. Carries them into the terminal where I was supposed to meet my friends, and I saw my friend way down the hallway, and he's going like this. He says, Brother Tucker! And I turned. I turned to wave at him, and I turned around to... The angel was gone. The, man, the young man was gone. Never seen him again. I had two experiences like that. But we must never worship them. Be careful lest anyone cheat and plunder you through philosophy. Be careful lest anyone cheat and take delight in angel worship. If anyone thinks himself to be spiritual first Corinthians 14, 37 through 40, there were people in the church that said, you know, we are so spiritual, we don't need an apostle, we don't need a pastor, we don't need order, anytime we want to speak, anytime we feel something inspired to give, we just blurt it out, we don't recognize anybody, no, Paul says if anyone seems to be a prophet, or seems to be spiritual, let him know that what I tell you is the commands of the Lord. See, we have commands of the, of the Lord Himself. How many believe that, that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this letter? So, do, do we dare challenge and say, oh, yeah, but I tell you, this angel is real? All this, this, this which it may be real, but don't give it the preeminence. Don't let yourself get caught up in this mentality. I've got to go to every place across the country because they're having visitations of angels there. Oh, they're, they're having oil on the hands there. I believe that you can have oil in your hands. Oh, there's gold dust falling there. That's very possible. Just give me some of it. Put it in the offing plate. <laughs> I mean, all these things may have some validity to them, but we must not become focused on anything like this. Number one, overemphasis seeking angelic activity. Now, remember when Peter got put in prison and the church met and prayed in the house of Mary. And an angel came and woke Peter up, shook him up, said, we're getting out of here. The gates flew open. Peter walked out. Angel let him out. When he gets out of prison, he said, you can walk on your own. So he walks to the house of Mary, knocks on the door. And I think the daughter came to the door. And she looked, she saw, hey, this is Peter. Somebody said, that has to be an angel. It has to be his angel. Now, Jesus told us, I think, in Matthew chapter 12, that if you become like a little child, then you can become great. Then down a few verses, he says that A little child's angel beholds the face of the Father. And what it's saying is that angels are assigned, I think that every one of us has an angel assigned to us. And maybe they look like you. Because they thought this was Peter's angel instead of him. It's it's very possible, I don't know. I'm not going to describe things that the Bible don't say. I just believe that we do have angels assigned to us. Sometimes they choose to let us out of prison, some they leave in prison. I don't know why. James stayed in prison, got his head cut off. Peter got delivered from prison. Evidently James had finished his course. I don't know. But I'm not going to say, I'd sure like to have an angel like Peter had, rather than one line like James had. How how about you? (laughs) Which one would you like to have? Did, Did that angel, did James' angel fail him? No. Don't ask questions that you never will find the answer to. Just walk by faith every day. Don't expect to see an angel every day. I've had people say, Brother Tucker, would you pray that I'll see an angel? I say, no. Why not? I said, because the Lord might just let a false one come by. Although I don't understand all the things in the Bible why God, why God is God. And he can do something without asking my advice. <laughs> he just does them. I don't understand in first, in first Kings when these false prophets was all prophesying to Jehoshaphat, go into battle, go into battle. Jehoshaphat said, I don't, I don't like what they're saying. Do you have any other prophet? Yeah, I got another prophet. His name is Micaiah, but he never says anything good about me. Well, ask him anyway. So then the story gets gets into the heavenly realm, and and here here there's a discourse between God and some angelic beings, and he said, I'm looking for a lying spirit. I'm looking for somebody to prophesy to, 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 to Ahab to get him to go into battle. And sure enough, a lying spirit steps up. God says, "Who are you?" He said, "I'm a lying spirit, and I'll go in. I'll go into the the mouth of these prophets, and and I'll be a lying spirit, and I'll convince them to go to battle." He says the Lord, "says Okay. I don't. I don't have to explain that story. It's just in the Bible. You figure it out." <laughs> But, but if you demand to see an angel, you might see one. Because, you see, there are both good angels and bad ones. How many know that? We, like to, we wouldn't like to call Satan an angel, but he is. Paul says that Satan himself transformed himself into what? An angel of light. A messenger of light. Oh, yes there are evil angels. And did you know that in Matthew chapter 25, there's coming a day when the Bible says that all angels, all foul angels, all evil angels are going to find their place in the Eternal abyss, which is prepared for the devil and what his angels. He has angels. We call them demons, devils, but they really are fallen angels. And evidently, he's—you know—one third of an unnumbered group is quite a large group. One third fell with him. So, what are? Angels, are we supposed to fall in love with angels? Now, I've been studying this Bible. Please help me. I'm a learner. I mean that sincerely. You may be 50 years younger than I am, but I'm willing to learn from you. If you can show me the Bible, the Bible says we're to love angels, or angels love us. I've never found one place that says we're to fall in love with angels, male or female. I cannot find any place that tells me that angels died on the cross for me. I can't find any place where we are to entertain fellowship with angels. Now, the Bible does say in Hebrews 13 to entertain angels. To entertain the poor, entertain somebody that's hungry, because we might entertain an angel unawares. That's okay. To enter, that means to help them, to assist them. I may have done that a couple times in my life, but no place are we to ha- to, to gather together. Okay, now we're going to gather together. We're going to invite the angels to come in. They will come. The wrong ones, because any time you say angels come, all the fallen angels they get there first. They're never late. They'll come if you invite them. A lot of people think that they're inviting loved ones to come to a seance. How many who comes? Familiar spirits. Did you know the devil has a profile in every one of our lives? He knows the date of your birth. He knows the date of your great-grandfather's birth. He knows the time when your great-grandfather dropped this big anvil on his right toe and got hurt. He's got, he's got records of that, so you can, you're talking to this, uh, to this uh, 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 being in a seance like King Saul. I don't believe for a minute that King Saul was talking to Samuel. That was a familiar spirit. Well, he told him the truth. Any time the devil the devil tells the truth, it's still a lie because it has a lying end to it to lead you astray. Somebody say amen for something. No. Turn to Hebrews for a moment. We still haven't reached 2 o'clock yet. Hebrews. Isn't it interesting that the book of Hebrews, we don't actually know for sure who wrote it, whether it's Paul, whether it's Barnabas, whether it's some other, one of the apostles. We don't know exactly who it was written to, except they were Jewish believers. We know that. They were Jewish believers It's interesting, though, how this amazing book starts out and leads us into all the rituals of Judaism. All the sacrifices, the priesthood, and so forth. But no matter who it's talking about, it always ends up talking about the preeminence of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest. And here in in the first chapter, it says this in in, in verse 4. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Having become so much better. I mean, oh, Jesus is better, greater than the angels. Why is that important? Because these people... We're being led astray, led away from Christ, believing that angels were either equal to or greater than Jesus Christ himself, who was, the Bible tells you, he was the creator of everything. No place in the Bible does God say that an angel has ever created anything. They are simply created beings. They could not turn. If you, would, if you take a, a ball of clay and form it into a dove and throw it up in the air, it'd fall on the ground. An angel couldn't change it into a living bird. He is better than angels. He has by inheritance... Obtained a more excellent name than they. Do you see that? Now, why, do, why is it important? Why is he writing this to, to Christians, to believers? Because it is Christians and believers that fall away from something. You don't fall away from something that you haven't had, something had possession of. You don't lead somebody uh, lead somebody astray. That's already astray, right? Unbelievers don't fall; they're already fallen. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're already condemned. So, all these writings they are being written to people that need to be steadfast in their faith and not moved away from their faith and moved away from the truth. So he wants to once again establish the fact. Notice verse 5. For to which of the angels did he ever say this? You are my son. Today I have begotten you. The only way that... Angels could be considered sons is simply because they're created by God. They're not begotten in the sense that you and I are. They're a totally different creation. They're not created any way like human beings are. They don't have sexual powers. Now, this is a great debate. I'm not going to go into this debate, but way back in the book of Genesis. The sons of God married the daughters of men. The offspring are what? Nephilim. That's not what the Bible says, but that's what they teach. Giants. And supposedly the reason for the flood was to get rid of all the giants, half angel, half human. That's the truth. Then the same thing happened after the flood, because hundreds of years later, who was David fighting? Giants, they weren't half angel and half human. Hey, we've got to get down to make some sense to the word of God. So anyway, listen to what it says. Verse 6, but when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels all. How many is all? Every angel. One of those individual, different categories, different types, principalities, powers, rulers, every type, absolutely every one of them did what? When he came into the world, let all the angels of God, angels of God, all oh, angels of God, some refused to worship him. Some had fallen. A third of them had fallen. What was it that Lucifer wanted? He wanted worship. All he wanted from Jesus was one time for Jesus to bend his knee just a little bit. Fall down and worship him. No, no, it says, let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angel spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Going on to verse 13, he says this But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand? Some people place angels on equality with God Himself, with Jesus Christ Himself. No. Till I make your image your footstool. Verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent to minister for those who will inherit salvation? They serve, they assist, they guard. They're all ministering spirits sent to minister who? To those who will inherit salvation. I happen to believe there's angels here this morning. Anybody see one? Is anybody, are you looking at me? (laughs) Ask my wife if I'm an angel. She'll tell you the truth. No. I haven't seen an angel here. There's been times I've preached. I've had people say, Paul, when you're preaching, I saw an angel stand at your right-hand side. I didn't see him. I didn't feel him. But I believe there are angels here this morning. I really do. Oh, I can just wait to see one. No, I don't care whether I see an angel or not. I want to see Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus. How many's in love with Jesus? Don't desire. I can't tell you how many people call me and say, Paul, I've got to see an angel. i was just come from this this convention and so forth, this supernatural convention. Uh, convention where they were teaching on angels and all this kind of stuff. I didn't see anything. I'm so disappointed. I said, what did you find Jesus? Did you have any fellowship with Jesus? Well, the major thing was on angels. Let angels take their place. God will take care of angels. Just don't get involved in worshiping them. (laughs) We're never told to love angels and that angels... How about Romans 8, 38? What is it that separates from the love of God? Does your Bible say that not even angels can separate? How many know there are angels that would like to separate you from the love of God? Yes, there are angels. If you get focused on angels, they will separate you from the love of God. They won't be the right kind of angels, but they'll separate you from the love of God. Not even angels. How about the gospel? Do angels preach gospel? Yes. Paul says in Galatians, even if an angel comes and preaches any other gospel than I'm preached, let him be what? Accursed. Angels would love to get your attention. They would love to uh, to twist and distort the scriptures and get you focused on what they're saying rather than what Jesus said. When Peter suggested... We're going to build. Man, can you imagine the mind of Peter? He could see. wow, you know, the one for Jesus has to be a little nicer than the one for Elijah. And of course, because, he, because Moses was the greatest prophet, he, he's got to be the biggest, you know. And in his mind, he's, and what did, the, what did the voice say? This is my beloved son. Hear him. Hear him. Don't worry about something for Moses, who's been buried for hundreds of years, and Elijah, that's already been in heaven for a number of years. No, hear him. Get focused on Jesus. Now, the Bible talks about doctrines of devils. 1 Timothy 4. Take a look at that real quick. It's almost 2 o'clock. 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says this, verse 1. Now, my Bible says, now the Spirit speaketh expressively. How many know that the Spirit always speaks expressively? Without contradiction. Without being challenged. It's unchallengeable. The Spirit speaks to expression that in the latter times, some shall What? You know, there are people that teach you can't depart from the faith. Once again, if you're a Christian and leave the faith, you're you're departed from it. It's something you had a hold of. It says here, they, they they will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving Angels, your Bible probably says spirits, deceiving spirits, deceiving angels, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, forbidding to marry. Marriage is being challenged. If things continue to move at the speed they are, I probably won't be here another 10 or 15 years, but your great-grandchildren will be. Marriage will be outdated. Did you hear me? There's the court system right now in our country God bless America. This nation that is one nation under God in our country, the courts are filled right now with all kinds of lawsuits to try to get rid of the necessity of a marriage license. I mean, there are thousands. The courts are so backed up with this kind of junk, they can't even take care of the things that are necessary. Forbidding to marry, forbidding to recognize a couple as being man and woman. You don't dare do that. You're infringing on somebody's right. You are prejudiced if you do that. That's what the word of God is talking about here. And commanding to abstain from foods which God has, re- has given to us to be received with thanksgiving, because they're sanctified by the word of God and prayer. But giving, I, 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 I failed to mention this, giving, sed- giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines, doctrines, plural, of devils. The devil has his own theology books. Believe me, and our great universities, even our seminaries, are filled with teachers who absolutely deny the authenticity of the Bible. If you believe in the Bible, you're called a literalist, right, Blair? Literalist. Well, these are just stories. They're just fables. They're something made up to make interesting, to kind of help us understand the structure of the evolution. Doctrines designed, written, accepted, embraced of devils. There's something that's called false doctrine. There's something that's called error. There's something that's called doctrines of demons. I can accept error. When I say accept, I can accept the fact that there are people who don't agree with my belief system in the Bible. They're in some form of error. But there are absolutely doctrines of devils that the total design is to erode your faith in the preeminence of Jesus Christ. And make you a fool. If you literally believe the word of God, doctrines from angels are normally always doctrines from Satan himself. One of the largest bodies of quote Christianity in the world today is. Mormonism, And there are a lot of wonderful, absolutely wonderful Mormon people, people that's caught up in this system. They're wonderful. They're giving. They will help. They'll go to the end. They'll do anything to proselyte. They'll give you everything they have to do it. I want to tell you, if you study the foundation of Mormonism, they believe that God the Father has a human body. They believe that he's like a man, that he has reproductive organs. How did all this stuff come? It came by the revelation of an angelic being that called himself Jesus. Jesus appeared to him a man by the name of Joseph Smith in a vision and he got all these golden plates with all these writings on it did he have a true did he have a revelation yes he had a revelation did he have a visit from a Jesus yes when I was working with the Navajos I had shamans tell me that they had met Jesus and Moses both in the sweat lodges Yes, they were real revelations, but from the wrong source. How many get the message, don't worship angels? Don't get wrapped up in angels. Now, maybe I'll continue this until 2 o'clock next week. (laughs) How many love the Lord? How many believe in the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ? Folks, don't let anything get your focus off of him. I mean, it's so easy. It's so easy in our desire to become more spiritual, to have more power of God, to have more influence, more, more impact. We want to delve into spiritual things, yes, but there has to be some safeguards. There has to be some order. There has to be some balance. We have to listen to other people, we need accountability. Any time we come to place, we say it's none of your business. How many know that one man, one man's sin in the nation of Israel? One man's sin when Joshua came into the city of Jericho, and they had that great victory, and Jericho fell. Joshua chapter 7, the first verse starts out like this. And Israel committed a trespass against God. What one man did was placed on the account of the whole nation of Israel because he was in covenant relationship with the rest of them. Achan, remember the story of Achan? And God said, if you don't deal with Achan, I will not ever be with you again. And sad as the story he is, Achan and everything he possessed had to be taken out, he had to be killed, and had to be burnt. Otherwise, the whole nation. So you see, we are members one of another. I cannot have a secret life. I had to be transparent as a man, if I'm a man of God, I have to be transparent. I can't be having secret affairs, doing I can't be a thief, covetousness. All these things would affect the unity of the body of Christ. And you see, the Lord is coming back for what? A glorious church. I know, I know that you're a part of that glorious church. And how many will stand with me this morning and say, by the grace of God, I'm going to listen to the word of God. I'm, I, I want to get into the depth of the word of God. And I'm not just going to kind of casually read it. Psalm 23 that makes me feel good. And other psalms, you know, that just make me sense their presence. No, I'm, I, want to t- I want it all. How many know when you ate the Passover feast, you had to eat all the lamb with the awful, you had to eat the guts, you had to eat the nostrils, you had to eat the whole lamb, you had bitter herbs with it. You couldn't just pick out the nice chops, lamb chops and leg of lamb, no, had to eat the tongue, the lips, you had to eat everything. Sometimes the Word of God is hard to swallow. The prophet was told, I want you to eat the scroll. And when he ate it, man, it tasted good, but when he got any stomach. Remember what happened? But how many thank God for correction? It's better to get corrected ahead of time. Amen? Than to be disciplined later on. If you embrace correction ahead of time, my mother had a switch hanging at the doorway of the kitchen. said, the only time I'll have to use this is if you don't obey me. Well, guess what? I had to test her. <laughs> I'm still carrying, I'm like the Apostle Paul, I carry in my body the marks of my mother. <laughs> How many of you stand with me this morning and say, I, I, I want to be willing to be adjustable, and, 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 and I want to embrace, I want to embrace the teaching of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands to our wonderful Lord Jesus Christ, who deserves our worship and our preeminence. Just tell him right now that he is your Lord and Lord, I, I'm never going to betray you. I'm not going to turn with. You. I'm not going to turn away from you. Uh, I, uh, I'm not going to back off the truth of the word of God. I'm not going to dabble into things that I don't understand. I'm not going to search out philosophy and mysticism and, and all these things that's offered. I'm not going to even, I'm not even going to suggest to myself that I'm willing to, t- to practice just a little, uh, a little sorcery or have, you know, just a little, just maybe talk to one. Uh, I'd I, I just like to, I'd like to, I'd like to talk to my mother. And and my dad that just died a few years ago. No, don't don't dabble in those things whatsoever. Don't dabble in those things. Don't don't even let your mind go there. Turn to the Word of God. and, 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 And when God says, don't do these things, don't wonder, well, how come? I mean, I've got the right to do whatever I want to. No, you don't. He's your Lord. That's part of your confession of faith. You declare, once you confess that, him, that he is Lord, that you're Lord no longer any, any longer of your life. Father, we thank you right now for the wonderful word of God. Thank you, Father. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice. Help us, Lord, to follow you carefully. I thank you, Lord, for every person here, Lord. All of us want to have spiritual experiences. All of us want to, 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 to have revelation. All of us want to have a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. All of us want to hear a prophetic word. All of us want something from you, Lord. But, Lord, in our, our, our zeal and hunger for something, Lord, we pray that we'll not accept anything that is a fake. That's not genuine, that's not real. I, I'd rather never have a spiritual experience than to have a bad one. Yes. Thank you. I don't want any mixture. I wouldn't want to have a visitation of a uh, of hundred angels if right. one of them, one of them, was evil. Yes. I just thank you that you have washed me in the blood of Jesus. You've given me eternal life. I'm one of your children. I'm a member of your family. I'm a part of the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you that you've given me the privilege of loving your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for my sins. Lord, we just thank you for your blessing to be upon these families, these individuals, Lord, their children, their grandchildren, Lord, draw every one of them into an intimate hunger desire to walk with you. you we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Anybody needs prayer, I'll stay here to pray for you. If anybody needs prayer this morning, pray for your pastor. How many pray for Pastor Don this week? Amen. He'll probably come bouncing in here next Sunday. <laughs> Hallelujah. He may just kick me off this pulpit and say, hey, I'm ready. I'm on fire for Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Love all of you.